Hey everyone, welcome to the Cast. I'm your host, Charlie Barons. Hope everyone's having a great week and is ready for more snow. I don't know where you're living right now. I suppose uh, it's only certain parts of Wisconsin that are going to get hit again. But boy, we have had a lot of snow recently. Actually, we had the most snow uh, that Milwaukee has gotten uh, in a long time. And we had Saturday night. And of course, on Sunday, me and my dad and my brothers had an ice fishing trip planned. But we did not cancel it. We braved the roads and headed up to New London. It was not not the safest of conditions, but you know, folks, if them walleyes are calling, we are answering the call, okay? So we get up there, Larry Smith and Lightning Lance took us out. Uh, It was very fun. Anyway, we were fishing. We were fishing for walleyes, okay? And we didn't get a bite all day. And then all of a sudden, one of my brothers hooks into something big, really big, Probably a sturgeon, okay, which you're not, you don't fish for sturgeon. It's not sturgeon uh, season. Spearing is coming up, but uh, you're not, um, you know, supposed to catch them. But, you know, sometimes some sturgeon bites your line and you don't want them to, especially if you're going for walleyes. Anyway, so my brother is hooked onto something big. And then my dad hooks into something big and I hook into something big and my brother Bill. So at one point, All four of us, John, my dad, Bill, me, we were just, I don't, we had big fish on. They were probably all sturgeon. (laughs) And only one, John ended up catching it. We, of course, released it very quickly because you're not supposed to catch those. But if they bite your line, what are you supposed to do, you know? So anyway, me and my brother Bill were fighting this fish. We we were about, I, I don't know, like 20 yards away from each other in different holes, obviously. And at one point, Bill's fighting and I'm fighting. And then I'm fighting and Bill's fighting. And Bill ends up reeling his in and he caught my hook. So, but I swear to you, there was a fish on it at one point. So I think, you know, if you look at this from above, it's four fishermen in different ice fishing holes, but from below, it's probably just four. I don't know if they were sturgeon or what. They were probably sturgeon. They just met each other, wrapped the lines around each other. And then they were like, we've seen this trick before. We are, you think you've caught us. But no, you've really caught yourself. And that's a very philosophical way for a sturgeon to think. And that's the point of my intro today is just letting you know how deep sturgeon really are. Is that a joke because sturgeon are bottom feeders? Yes, I think it is. Was it worth the buildup? I doubt it. Anyway, my guest this week is Sam Floyd. He's a marine veteran and the founder of Operation Coffee. Sam's goal, which I love, it, it just goes way beyond coffee. He uses you know his craft of roasting and serving coffee to start conversations, specifically around the topic of veteran suicide. And he also donates a portion of his proceeds to various veterans funds. I believe he chooses a new fund every couple of months, but it's an incredible thing. He's been on the Today Show twice. I interviewed him right before the new year, and he was just on the Today Show again. And and that publicity really uh, sent Operation Coffee off. Now, if you want to get Operation Coffee yourself, you can just go to operationcoffee.com. That's shop.operationcoffee.com. And you can get coffee delivered right to your door. So definitely support Sam. Interview is coming up in a second. But first, I want to thank all of you who rated and commented on the Cripes cast. Just want to read a couple here. Aaron 
Aaron says, would recommend to parents. Oh, you know, thanks, Aaron. I appreciate that. She says, I finally gave the Cripes cast my attention, and I am so glad Charlie is excellent at interviewing, and I really enjoy the breadth of guests. Charlie is transparent with who he is and isn't afraid to ask about what he doesn't know. It's a great podcast about how great and how humble Midwesterners are. I give snaps when Charlie and his guests honestly discuss issues facing our country and Wisconsin. It's vulnerable and approachable, just like you want to hear in conversations about hard things. I'm entertained, and I bet my parents will be too. Well, cheese Louise Aaron, tell your folks I says hi, crime and all Friday. I also read Red Hawk 19's comment. They said, I listened to your interview with Wayne and B.A., that's Brian Anderson and Wayne Larrabee. Uh, I loved hearing about the process to becoming your best self. It was great to hear how the three of you are willing to use your platforms to speak about hot topics in our world. I call that two wins for the Cripes Cast podcast. Keep her moving. Red Hawk 19, you keep her moving. Okay, and I would love to hear anything that any of you out there have to say, whether it's good or bad. I'll read bad comments on here too. So definitely rate the podcast leave a comment and if you're enjoying it don't forget to follow the Cripescast at Cripescast on all the social media platforms instagram twitter facebook you can see videos from the interviews we post clips and all that sort of stuff all right well that is the intro and now it's time for my guest sam floyd so you're on the today show today yes i was uh, initially it, it aired on november 11th on veterans day mm-hmm. and then um I must, I must have made their best of. I mean, there's not, that's not really saying a whole lot with 2020, but I'm, I must have made their, <laughs> their, their best hey, man. of. Hey, man, take the wins where you can get them. Um, yeah. No, but what you're doing is huge. I mean, to you know, donate the kind of money you're donating on a consistent basis to various veterans organizations, and also raise awareness for an issue that I feel like far too many people know about, and that is veteran suicide. And can we start with sort of wh- where did you grow up? Where do you come from? Yeah, uh, from a little town called Campbellsport, Wisconsin. Um, that's just south of Fond du Lac, about. 15 to 20 minutes we're known for our uh old there used to be an old convent that was here uh that we were known for that that, that tore down but just a little town of 2016 uh, until this new census i think we've grown a little bit but we're pretty tiny uh, i grew out in the country um, i live now currently in an old first and rolls out of a first baptist church um uh, but i used i was born and raised in the country just down the road from here Wow. And did, did you grow up uh, fishing, hunting, doing all that? Did. Um, not so much fishing. Uh, we did a lot of, you know, this when you're 12, right? When you get your license, 13? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, you go go get your hunter's, hunter safety at the local village hall down here. And then I uh, went out. My first year, I got, I didn't know the difference between deer, really, like the size of a deer. So, right. long story short, opening morning, there's these two fawns that came in basically. And then her mom was back there. The, the, the mom doe was back. And I, I, my dad was right next to me. I'm like, Dad, <laughs> which one should I shoot? And he's like, the bigger one. And then I shot, <laughs> I shot this. I mean, he wasn't, it didn't have spots, but I was 12. And, and my dad, bless his heart, you know, he didn't, he didn't hunt at all. He's a, Vietnam veteran and he didn't really like to hunt, but he, you know, I was interested. So he, he got interested and then he's just like, shoot the bigger one. And then, and that's, I got my first, uh, it was actually a nub buck. Oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that may, the meat, the meat probably tasted a little better. So at it least was, you got that. 
It was really good. <laughs> uh, so you grew up hunting. You grew up uh, hanging out. What'd you do in Campbell sport uh, as a kid? Yeah. You know, just a typical got into trouble, played a lot of baseball um, at the local, at the Columbus Park down here. Yeah. You know, that my dad was a big baseball player. So that's why, I mean, he, he took me hunting, but he didn't. He, I knew how to fish, but I didn't really know how to fish. I'm actually learning more in my adult years how mm. to fish, which is a lot of fun. Went last year, got my first ever bass in my life, which was pretty exciting. Nice. Um, yeah. Those things fight good. Yeah, they do. <laughs> but yeah, played a lot of baseball growing up. I was big in the sports, baseball, uh, football. I was, I'm short. I'm 5'8". So that my basketball career ended probably at sixth grade, something like that. <laughs> but yeah, did a, did a lot of sports growing up here in Camel Sport. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just hung out with buddies, got into trouble, corn, you know, those field parties that we used to have in the country out here in the middle of a cornfield, this one big old blazer. Um, That's not just a country song that happens. That happens. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, with a bunch of teenagers running around. But it was a good time. And I really appreciate my time that I had, you know, the sim- simple upbringings that I had, which is I learned how to work hard and, you know, add any country song here. Right. I mean, that's basically <laughs> right. what it is. What made you decide to join the military? Yeah, I joined the Marine Corps um, because of uh, my father was in Vietnam. My grandfather was World War II. Uh, my other grandfather was Korea. Um, so I felt like a, a small obligation, um, but they were all in the Army, so I wanted to do better. That's why I joined the Marine Corps, right? So that's... Did <laughs> you tell them that? I did. I did. <laughs> and so I didn't want to. And so, But I felt some sort of obligation. I wasn't the best kid in high school. I mean, best student in high school either. Um not because I wasn't smart, but just I just didn't care or try. So I knew I was joining the Marine Corps when I was like sophomore year, when my best friend joined the Marine Corps. And I saw him come back from the boot camp and he just seemed taller. Like I just remember him coming home. It was actually at the, um, the Turkey Trot in um, or the Turkey Fest or it used to be in Fond du Lac at the county fair. Uh, he came home and he, you know, he was, I had his high and tight. I just remember hanging out with him. I'm like, that's what I want to be. I wanted to be, you know, he was so proud and he was, he was a big reason why I joined too. Did you have any surprises when you joined? Was it what you expected it to be? Nothing was expected. No, I, uh, you know, you can watch so many full metal jackets, you know, right. Or those type of movies. And, um, the biggest part, you know, raised in Calisport, I'm so thankful to be raised here, but was the diversity wasn't as big here, obviously. Um, so going there and, I was one of the few white guys in my battalion or in my platoon. That was a big culture shock. Um, and I learned so much and it was, it was so great too. I, my rackmate um, turned out to be one of my better friends and he was from Alabama. Like, like he was such a, such a good guy. So that was a big wake up call for me. Um, but then boot camp in general, was, uh, I lost 45 pounds in three months. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it was, but just graduating and seeing my parents on the graduation day, that was just really funny. So they give you those BC, they call them BCG glasses. Uh, they're those thick frame glasses, which are kind of in now. Yeah. But they're called uh, birth control glass, BCG birth control glasses. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I had to wear those indestructos throughout boot camp. And uh, I, I took them off for family day because I didn't want them on. And so my family was right in front of me, but I could not see. I'm blinder than a bat without contacts or, or glasses. 
So I couldn't see him. I was squeak. All I can hear was like, is that Sam? You know, like, <laughs> and not hearing your first name for a while too. I'm just like, think so. Like, you know, cause it's always <laughs> recruit Floyd or, you know, whatever it was. So I was like, is that Sam? It was my sister. And she was, I don't know, she was maybe 20 yards away from me. So you, you get there and how's it feel on your graduation day? You, you feel good about it. You feel like you, you made the right move. Yeah, absolutely. You know, with everything you get tested, your body, both mentally and physically tested. And then when you get that, they call it the EGA, the Eagle Globe and Anchor, mm-hmm. um, that all, all Marines earn. If you don't shed one tear because of all, you know, no matter how tough a Marine you are, if you don't shed that one, one little tear for that, I mean, just because of all the stuff that you endured for the last three months, there's something special about it. And yeah, it was definitely worth it when I, and my reward, I remember eating my, my, cause my favorite candy is a Heath bar. My mom got me a Heath bar and I haven't had one in three months. I remember just enjoying every second of that too. So it was just, it was just the small things that when you get taken away from you, it's just really appreciated. That is interesting. And my understanding of being a Marine is that you are put through such difficult and intense situations. I know that's not news to anybody, but can you give us an example of like some of the hardest things you endured just in your Marine training? Um, I think the hardest part was just everything that you were raised and knew is gone. Like, you know, that whole team mentality, you're no longer an individual. You know, you have to, you have to refer to yourself in the third person. So my name was Recruit Floyd. I was no longer me. I you kind of you couldn't use those words. Um, so like I was Recruit Floyd, and every time it's like Recruit Floyd re- request. So every I mean, no matter how you shaved your face, how you you know when to go to the bathroom, you had to ask for permission for everything. And and so that's a bit that was a big you know just having all that stripped away from you. <laughs> You know, everything that you knew growing up, you know, like you can just go to the bathroom whenever you felt like it in in high school <laughs> or, uh, you know, and now you have to ask permission even to do the simplest things. And, you know, that was a big part. And then obviously the physical part, you know, losing 45 pounds, obviously I was just constantly moving and, <laughs> and you know, and eating as quickly as you can, you know, going through the jaw hall lines and just eating in three or four minutes and getting out of there you know maybe that's a little bit of exaggeration it was maybe a little bit longer than that but it felt like 30 seconds <laughs> and just going through that with the people right next to the left and right to you is uh you just know that you're going through some crap <laughs> gotcha and of course this is preparing you for your time overseas so where did you go when you went overseas yeah i went to the the hindu kush part uh hindu kush mountains in uh eastern afghanistan mm-hmm. on the afghanistan and pakistan border um, I was out there. I toured that's that part of the country for nine months. That's where I was in Afghanistan. That was in 2003. 2003. Yep. And what was your job there? Um, I did. I did several things. You know, I was in what's called advanced party. So I was there getting gear ready to go, boxing up the Connex boxes, all that with all the supplies. And I got there first. That was called advanced party. And then I did several things. I mean, I did a bunch of convoys, a lot of helicopter rides. I was kind of like the utility guy. Sure, you know, I, did, sure. I did a lot of different different things because the war was so new also at the time. Afghanistan, I mean, we still were there, which is crazy to think about. We didn't even have doors on our Humvees over there at the time because they were made of like canvas and they were just in the way. So we just like, screw this, you know, th- there's no bullet that's going to stop this. So we just ripped them off. We just ripped them off, the doors off and... You know, but now they have upper armor. Everything's upper armor. So this was sort of before the influx of the IEDs. We're right in the middle of it. 
yeah. right right in the middle of it and you were still no doors on your uh on your humvee nothing i mean was that sort of a you know an aggravating thing mentally knowing that you know i guess we didn't know any different you know like we just we knew we had what's called ballistic blankets on the on the the floor of our humvee so it, it would absorb the ied better but Got as it. far as like the outside you know and compared to the vehicles now compared to then i mean it's like driving a honda compared to like a, Ra- a ford raptor you know it's like it's really 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 different now um but I guess to answer your initial question is we just didn't know any different. And it was, you know, and we, we knew that there was, we were susceptible to it, but that didn't stop us. We just, we knew we had a mission to carry out and all that stuff. Got you. And that, and that kind of goes back to that training mentality of like, where you refer to yourself in the third person, I would assume you're not thinking about sort of the larger political landscape, i.e., you know, what, why a certain president puts you in a certain place or, or whatever that is, or does that enter your thought process? No, it never did. I mean, the only time that the political genre came around is when Vice President Dick Cheney, he came and visited us out there, you know, and then uh, I remember the security for that was crazy. We were waiting in Turkmenistan. That's when um, John Kerry and George W. Bush, that's during the election. So we actually saw the results of, you know, George W. Bush was our next president. I guess that the, the reason I'm bringing that up is that was the only time we really thought about politics at all. Um, just when it was kind of in our face and be like, oh, he's a, he's our next president. OK, we're right. still. Yeah, <laughs> right. But, but more of an afterthought. What are the elements that help create the conditions for veteran suicide? What I'm trying to do is sort of get a bridge between, you know, civilians and those and veterans and those in the military to help them understand maybe what sort of things happen and then how they impact you kind of when you return. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful question. Um, because that it, it's we can dive really deep into that. And we with my mission is with Operation Coffee is to raise awareness, but also start conversations, you know, over this and these, these. And so I've done a lot of reading and I've been to countless psychiatrists and counselors and to try to answer that question. And it's a difficult one for sure. Um, but to generalize it, I believe is we go through something so traumatic together, like your brothers and sisters together. And then, you know, you know that person is right next to you. And so when you come back home, you know, you many people there, that's the difference between like Vietnam and now is like people are welcomed us, you know, welcome home. Thank you for your service, which is wonderful. That's that's so I can't thank them for saying that enough. Um, but in the back as a veteran, I can speak for myself as saying, I know that person is saying thank you for your service, but he, he or she does not really understand it. And, and so that's why people, veterans, that, I believe that's why veterans are taking their own lives because they feel so alone. You know, like I, I went over and did this crazy thing and then now I'm back here trying to work at Quick Trip, you know, 12, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like just do, do a normal job. And, and, but so my focus is not what I did overseas is how we can transition back better when we're, when we're back home. And I believe, you know, that's coffee is just a vehicle to conversation. These conversations that we have, you know, you and I are having a conversation right now about it. And just to be open to uh, change. (laughs) To be be, open to change. Is that what you said? Be open to change. Yeah. You know, just to be open to change and be open to receiving help. Because so much of us, like I, when I first got out, 
I'm like, no, I don't have a problem. You know, there's, I, I barely went through anything like a lot, you know, like you look at the scout snipers and all those guys, you know, the Chris Kyle's of the world, you know, like all those guys that are like heroes to us, you know, or the Matt Carpenters, you know, they got the purple heart and the medal of honor, you know, now I'm just here and why, you know, so then when I got help is when I was laying on my apartment floor in Phoenix, I was living in Phoenix, Arizona at the time. And I just felt like nobody gets, nobody gets me. But, and in turn, there's actually a lot of people that are in the same situation I was. And do you think that's partially because, I mean, you, from training to your service overseas, you've been, you sort of were ingrained with a certain way of life and a certain day in and day out experience that just doesn't translate to the experience that we live in America. Is, is that part of it? Yeah, absolutely. That's in there. And once you know that you can't duplicate deployed life to back home life, once you once you define both of them and separate both of them, I believe that's when because people, myself included, you'll hear a lot of veterans say, I just want to go back to Afghanistan. It was simpler over there, which is crazy to like the normal human being. But to me, it makes 100 percent sense because it was just like it. Every, you knew the person right next to the left of you was going through the same stuff. Even though it was crazy, I mean, I won't get into a lot of details, but it was crazy. But it was simple. It was simple. It was almost simpler. And so back here, you're in charge of every aspect of your life, you know, as far as just just being a civilian, right? I mean, just you know, paying for groceries, paying for all that stuff. That in in the Marines, you know, we take advantage that you know, we have a child hall right down the road that we don't have to pay anything for. You know, we have rent, we have barracks. They might not, you might live in like sleep in this uncomfortable bed for four years, but you didn't have to pay for it. Um, I mean, you paid for it with your service, obviously, but um, so the adjustment is difficult for sure. I guess the roundabout answer, I guess, Charlie, is the, the say, yeah. No, but yeah, I mean, that makes sense because, it, you know, when you're in the military, that's a, a sort of a transition point from childhood to, you know, young adulthood. And that's when a lot of people are going through figuring out those, okay, credit card, okay, rent, okay, yep. got all this. Yep. And so I suppose when you come back after X amount of years of service and you're the people you knew, your peers, the people that are the same age as you, they kind of already have the hang of it. And you are not only readjusting to this life and all these freedoms but also all these responsibilities so i could definitely see that yeah that's a very good way to put it you know i have listened to a couple of your cripes cast leading up to this um and explored your journey to you know los angeles you know and just so that was probably a i and i don't want to speculate but like going over going to la and going to california paying your own rent and all that stuff you know and then like we didn't as an 18 year old man boy <laughs> right you know, like, right uh, boy you know we didn't yes we did serve our country and i'm very proud of it i'm very proud of every man man and woman that served our country but you know there's that development stage in your brain too when you're mm -hmm. 18 you're still developing until like i believe it's 25 26 and so that whole stage from 18 to say you do four years in the marine corps 18 to 22 your brain's still developing and your brain is developing in a way that the Marine Corps wants it to develop, <laughs> which is good because you need that in Afghanistan. You know, you can't, you have to have those rules or Iraq or wherever in a, in a forward area. You have to have that 
consistency. Otherwise, th- bad things happen. Yeah, you absolutely need that. Like lives depend on it. Is there a in, in the same way you went to boot camp to you know to get prepared, um, and you went you know to the Marine Corps and all that sort of stuff, and you did all this training? Is there a uh, is there an, a level of is there a training program when you leave to sort of, you know, almost give you a boot camp for civilian life? There is. Um, uh, it's called the Transition Assistance Program. The tap, they call it TAPS. Um, when I was in, it was only a week. <laughs> so, you know, here's how to write a resume. Here's how to do this. Here's how you apply for college. Um, but they're doing a lot better now. I know that for a fact. I, I know that there's, a trans, there's um, what's called the Wounded Warrior Battalion. So mm-hmm. let's say you got injured. There's there's ways to kind of help you transition back into civilian life. I believe there's many huge strides that need to be made yet, and but there has been huge strides since I got out in 2006. Um, but it was for me, it was just a week, and at that point, I just wanted out of the Marine Corps. I wasn't paying attention to what that instructor was saying. Right. Be like, I can't wait to go back to Wisconsin and have some field parties with my friends. You know, that's the only right, thing right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's but yeah. So the, there is, but it's it's tough. Do you know what it is now, or what it's like now? Is that part of your work at all? Maybe trying to impact policy, or you know, maybe give ideas for how to transition men and women from service into civilian life. Yeah, I'm at the cusp of that. Um, I haven't dived in it too too much, um, but there is this program called the Semper Fi Fund, which I do donate back to. Uh, they really help with the transition back. They have this thing called the Semperfy Odyssey out in Pennsylvania with General Jones that I went to. It was just this week of intense. The, the whole idea is like, that was your job in the Marine Corps. This is your job now. You need to serve. You need to be a father. You need to be a boyfriend. You need to be a son. You need, you know, a daughter. So that that's your new job, <laughs> which I love. And so I kind of want to piggyback off what General Jones is doing, um, but I'm not hundred percent sure how to do that yet. Well, you've got, you've got a great start and, and let's get into what, you, what you've done so far. How did you get into the coffee business? So I traveled a lot. I was living in Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, Scottsdale. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I moved to Minnesota for a while, which I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Vikings fans up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so my mother, she became ill. She's with us today. She's she's doing she's doing okay, but she God became ill, and then my father needed help essentially. So I w- I took the first job I could in Madison, Wisconsin, so I can be closer. Um, I was actually doing grinder sewage pumps. Ugh. No, sounds fun. Yeah, it was. <sighs> yeah, so all those lake houses that have those like pits, you know, with pumps in them. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you were in that's, those. That's what I serviced. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So it was good money, but mm-hmm. yeah. So I, that was the first job I, I took well, from Arizona. That's what I got. Moved all my stuff to Madison, um, lived in Middleton for a while. Um, and then then I actually bought a house in Evansville, which is south of Madison a little bit. And then uh, the company went under. Um, my company, is, uh, they uh, long story short, they just the pump line left and then there was no work anymore. So the company went under. Mm. And it was Memorial Day week. Memorial Day is a pretty tough week for me. It's better now, but at the time, I really let it own my my mood. Mm. Um, you know, I let I really let the anniversary dates came. And you know, you think about that anniversary. When I say of 
of somebody that you knew that passed away or got KIA, you know, of that date. Um, so it was a tough week. So I lost my job. It was Memorial Day week. You know, actually, before you go further, I just want to pause right there and touch on that because I think a lot of people and, you know, doing the Mantuak Minute, I've, I've kind of gone through this every Memorial Day of where, you know, I think certain people sort of celebrate Memorial Day as like, oh, it's parades and you know, bars and you have the day off of work. But can you sort of give your insight on what Memorial Day means for you? Not to dwell on it, as I know you just said it was tough for you, but maybe just an abbreviated version. This is just more for people to uh, sort of internalize what it means and what it represents. And it's not just a a parade, a party or or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's, um, it's a day of, it's a day of reflection for, for me now, currently as a 36 year old man, you know, just, uh, it's a day of reflection and I don't party. I mean, I do go to people's houses if they have a cookout or something, but you know, it, it's just, it's just, just a day of appreciation for my friends that signed up for the military, that sacrificed the ultimate sacrifice. And it's a celebration uh, for me too, to, to remember them, mm-hmm. um, you know, and honor them. It's a whole new meeting now, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's a great day. It's still a tough week for me, but it's it's also a great week to remember how blessed I am, you know, to live in this country, uh, even though it's, it might not look like that right now, um, but it's still an amazing country. And no matter what side of the political spectrum that you're on, if you agree with it, if you don't agree with it, that individual still made that decision to sign up and he was he or she was put in that position, you know, and they sacrificed what they what for the cause. And so that's just a day of remembrance for me and just, to, and it's appreciate, it's a day of appreciation for me as well. To, I, I made it back, you know, we're like, yeah. uh, absolutely. Thanks for telling us that. And I, you know, I just think it's important for people to, to get that perspective, but on this Memorial day in particular, you know, you had just lost your job and, and then what happened? Yeah. Um, I called, so I have a case, I'm assigned a case manager at the Semper Five fund and America's fund mm-hmm. uh, her, and her, and I, she came with me from Arizona. She's from California. She's from um, Oceanside, which is, you know, Marineville, Marineville, California, you know, <laughs> right next right. to Camp Mountain. Um, but she, um, and I called her up. I'm like, Sue, her name is Sue Baker. Um, yeah. And I, I just asked her, I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> and she just simply asked, she's like, what, well, what do you really enjoy to do? And I had a cup of coffee in my hand. You yeah. Know, and I just said, well, I really like to drink coffee. And that was really sarcastic, too. It was not serious at all. And she's like, well, do something with that. And then I started researching, doing like researching coffee, what coffee is, where it comes from. Because all I knew is that it was in my cup. I didn't know the hard work that comes with it. I did not know the origin or the countries that it comes from. So I started reading books. I started listening or watching countless hours of YouTube. Like, <laughs> it's just. This is like in front of my face. And then, then I bought my first, actually, it's right back here. So this was my first coffee roaster. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's a fresh roast. I don't know if you know where Burn in Madison, there's a place called Burnham Poppies Resources or Supplies. That's where I bought this thing. And That's does, where you got that. Yeah, it does three ounces at a time. <laughs> <laughs> and now, now you do it. You, what, can you do like 150 pounds at a time? Uh, not yet. We're getting no. there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So right now I can do 10. <laughs> 10. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But I, I just bought a new, a bigger roaster that's going to be able to do uh, 35. Wow. Yeah. That's the same, you know, Valentine coffee roasters. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I work, I collaborated with them and they really helped me out and they taught me a lot. And that's the, that's the size roaster I'm getting now. So very excited. cool. So you, so, cause those roasters are expensive. You got to kind of start small and then that probably helps you perfect the craft too. Yeah. You can't find one on Craigslist. I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, no. So, it, you, don't you know, so. don't say that. Don't, <laughs> I'll look. Don't okay. <laughs> I really will. Yeah. It's, it's, you got to perfect the craft. And so back to the story a little bit, I just started doing, and then I bought that and, and it just showed me like the the chemistry that happened with coffee roasting too. Just you know, from the green bean to the end product, what happens? To, you know, the the process of the whole coffee bean turning into coffee, and what what makes good coffee and what makes bad coffee, or not bad coffee, but underdeveloped coffee and things like that. Well, what makes it? What makes bad coffee? How can you screw it up? Because I, I know you like, can. Because I've had a lot of bad <laughs> cups of coffee, so I know someone's yeah. out there screwing it up quite a bit. Yeah, I guess it might be a little subjective of you know, it, but I think just over roasting is a big, big one. You know, I never want to put a different coffee roaster down because I know I have a lot to learn yet. You know, I'm still only four years into this, and I've got a ton to learn. But I believe there's over roasting and underdeveloping profiles is is the coffee jargon. You okay. know, you get this coffee bean in and you don't let it, you don't let the sugars come out of the, you know, this. I don't want to bore your audience with coffee lingo. No, I'm actually interested in, I think some of them out there. Does Starbucks burn their coffee? Um, in my personal amateur, uh, I guess, professional opinion. Yeah. I, I believe, I believe to get the, as many coffee shops as they have. They have to have a universal roast for everything. Uh-huh. And so that's why I think that's why they have to maybe over roast a little bit, I think, just to that's, get that consistency for 5 million shops, you know, on every corner, you know, like that's, that'd be hard to get that same profile every, every single time. Very political answer. Uh, it's yeah. kind of <laughs> like, um, like Miller Lite, you know what I mean? Or, or, or uh, Corona or something like that. Those very light beers. Yeah. It's well, maybe it's probably different in that sense, but it's it's the uh, consistent flavor. But to brew those, it's this actually different because I think it's very complex to get something to taste that light. Yes. So, um, so it's different in this case. So they're they're doing the opposite, which is just kind of having a standard roast, which does not work when you're dealing with all these different beans. Is that basically what you're saying? Yeah. And I mean, I, I, with the 10 pounder that I have, it's, it's a five kilo. So everything's the metric system in the, in the coffee world too. So when I say like five kilo or whatever, um, it's 10 pounds. Okay. Yeah. I skipped that day in math class. So I'm going to need the immediate, uh, translations for that. Yeah. yeah the, the Americanized version. Um, yeah. it's the, uh, so I do 10 pounds at a time and I have a lot more, I can influence it a lot more with that. You know, I can add gas, I can add heat, I can add different airs because there's three different air movements and you can, I can dictate that with whenever I want to, to, uh, develop the profile and the flavor that I want. You're like an artist. I love it. And that's why, that's why I really enjoy coffee roasting. They call it driving it, driving the machine, you know, you're, you're roasting coffee and you're driving the roaster. That's cool. That's cool. Oh, folks, excuse the interruption, but I just want to tell you real quick once about the sponsor of this podcast, Jolly Good Soda. They're the title sponsor, and geez, Louise, they it's the best gosh darn soda this side of the Mississippi or that side, and whatever side of the Mississippi you're on, you can get yourself some Jolly Good by going to jollygoodsoda.com and using the promo code CRIPES10, and you get a 10% discount on all the merch and whatnot. Holy smokes, but that only lasts for February. So go ahead and get your sweetheart some really slick, jolly good merch, okay? 
Cheese Louise. Cripes 10, that is the promo code uh, for the month of February. Charlie, did you say that twice? Yes, but it's very important. Okie dokes. And also, big announcement. Jolly Good is now in Festival Foods. Holy smokes. And they got new six-pack sizes in select flavors, including Sour Power, which you used that in your brandy old fashions, grape, cherry, cream, and root beer. Okay, holy smokes. And don't forget to follow Jolly Good on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. They got a lot of good news going on there. And also, I want to tell you about Cheese Brothers. If you're trying to connect with your loved ones during COVID, but you just can't do it in person, send them the gift of love. Send them the gift of cheese. Okay, and Cheese Brothers has 100 years of family experience delivering great cheese from local Wisconsin farmers right to your doorstep by local folks. And again, when you use the promo code Cripes10, that's Cripes10, you get 10% off your order of Cheese Brothers cheese. So head on over to CheeseBrothers.com real quick once and keep her moving. Okie dokes, back to the interview. By the way, I've had your coffee. I think I said that already in this podcast. I finished it, so I'm going to need some uh, more bags of it. So I'll, I'll get on there and, and, and buy some. Yeah. And I think everybody else out there should too. Operation Coffee, you started doing it and, and you started roasting, but you've developed a business model that not only allows you to create great coffee, but it also it allows you to give back. Was that tough to develop? It was tough to develop. The idea wasn't. The idea was not tough to develop because I knew that's exactly what I wanted to do right away. But the execution of it and how, what that looks like, you know, being a, well, as of November 11th, I was a one man show. I'm actually looking at hiring people now. Oh, congrats. Yeah. Yeah. It's really great. You know, just, just, you know, working 20 hours a day, you know, like for seven days a week for a month and a half, it gets, it, it wears on somebody's, but um, just to catch up with those orders that came in. That came in after the Today Show? Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. You just had that huge of an influx of orders after that. And now probably today, since it and just today. re-aired, you're probably blowing up. It's, you're, yeah. you're probably stressed every <laughs> second you're not fulfilling these orders. This probably whole interview is a huge stress for you, I'm guessing. This is this is a welcome change, Charlie. Trust me, <laughs> this, is, this is fantastic. Um, but just to give you a little... Um, just to give you what happened on November 11th and happening today. Um, so just a small, I have a coffee roast, uh, Blue Door Coffee Company down the road here. They serve all my coffee in Campbellsport, Wisconsin. Um, there's a couple others in Fond du Lac too, Annie's on Main Street. Oh, sure. And uh, Stone Oak as well, which is a new coffee shop on uh, Winnebago Drive, if you're familiar with that. Yeah, my <laughs> so grandparents uh, got a place on Winnebago Drive. I'll have to get over there. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. Um, so just to give you a little perspective on November 11th, I had more sales in 15 minutes than I did all of 2019. Holy shoot. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I just feel like from a fulfillment standpoint that had to just give you more anxiety than (laughs) (laughs) it did. Yeah. I've used this analogy and it hasn't worked before, but we'll just, we'll, I'll try, I'll give it another go. You're like a sailboat that's just out there doing your thing, trying to catch any wind just and you're doing it and it's propelling you. And then you basically have a hurricane come (laughs) and you're just trying to get all as much of that wind in your sails and just, you know, send you off to the next level. And yeah, 20 hours a day, seven days a week, man. That's tough. That was, yeah, it was, I mean, I did take, 
you know, and the lady that helped me, Raina, she she would call me out on this. I did take maybe a day or two off. She's like, yeah, Sam, you yeah. took a day or two off. But but I mean, so that might have been a little dramatic, but it was it was essentially for the majority of about six, about seven eighths of the time I was doing twenty hours a day for a month and a half. And wow. now we're ready for ready for round two. Um, getting ready. Um, but I'm a lot more prepared now. Like I didn't have any boxes. All my labels were gone. Like <laughs> now oh, wow. I had this coming in and I, I, we're, we're better prepared this time. I'm glad to hear it. So you are in the process of hiring, um, more people. Yes. Yes. What I would love to do. I'm, I'm I love coffee roasting. It's an art, but actually hire a, actually a roaster. So that would allow me to do more things like you, we referenced before, like working on that transition from the military into the civilian life. So I can focus more of my energy on that because it's not just, you know, it's not just coffee. It, it, I had a business mentor that just said, you know, this is never going to be just about coffee. Mm-hmm. And he was absolutely right. You know, and it was, it's been, it's about the conversations. It's about helping people and to meet at that common ground that we have, you know, so many people love coffee you know i don't care if it's a beer miller light bush light depends what you're talking about or you know like if we can meet together you know enjoy that beverage responsibly you know and the reason i say that is because some vets are on some medication that's you know doesn't go well with with alcohol but you know so that's why i pick coffee too you know like we can meet at a common ground and, and have that conversation and you know coffee is not the antidote it's not it's not the prescription but it can be the start of something pretty awesome. Yeah, it's the start of conversation when when I think of coffee. And some people drink it and they won't shut up. You know, that's kind of how I am, especially if it's good coffee, you know. And then yeah. you got that caffeine going. That's good. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. no, it's cool to see like such a great theme in, in your product. And, you know, that is where a lot of the healing can happen, I mm-hmm. would assume, is mm-hmm. just through conversation. Yeah, and the feedback, I mean, I, I'm going to have a chance. I don't know how you do it, Charlie, but by, because by, um, we connected on D, uh, this was just a long shot. I just sent you a DM on Instagram and I'm really, really surprised you got back to me. But the amount of notifications I've gotten in from mess- Facebook Messenger and Instagram and DM, you know, direct messaging, he's like, I have to prioritize them. But to, to answer your question about conversation is that, some people pour their hearts out to me in via messenger and you know which is so great um, it's so i just take have to process that because you know they're they're going through some stuff you know and if my story on the today show or my story here on your show charlie can help somebody gosh you know that's that's just what i want <laughs> that's that's just i mean it, it it i know it's a lot more complicated than that but if we can simplify it just a little bit, I believe there's some pretty and things are. I mean, my phone is not stopped, but um, think pretty amazing stuff is happening. It's pretty awesome. It seriously has in such a, a short time. That's that's amazing. What made you choose of all the veterans' issues suicide? Um, I was just tired of hearing about it and just be like, "Oh, that sucks." Or my friend did it, you know, and just breaking down and crying and having having these real, real, really dark days like myself like i i didn't want to be here either you know and so just understanding that it's a it's a tough subject it's difficult um and i apologize um but the reason i the reason i chose it is because i didn't i didn't want to sit idly by anymore and just hear the numbers coming in Mm. i just felt like 
there's something else that needs to get done. And I'm not going to sit on my hands anymore and just hear the news every day of, of this happening. And so it is a tough subject because you hear a lot of personal stories that are really, really gut-wrenching. Um, but if that's, if, if they feel like I'm the person that they need to talk to, I will offer, I will offer an ear. I'm not, a, I'm not a psychiatrist or a counselor. I, I, I will never claim to be, I will offer an ear and I will listen and I will try to give them as many resources as possible. Cause there's a lot out there that people don't know about, you know, like the veteran crisis suicide hotline, which is a big one. I used it myself right away. You didn't, you didn't go to an operator. You know, you went to a human being, they expedited me through the ER system. And then that's where my um, beginning of healing happened. Cause I was, uh, I spent some time in just a clinic just to get myself right. And uh, that was really helpful, even though I hated being there. <laughs> um, but right. I learned, I learned a ton. I learned a ton. And so I get emotional about it because it is, there's just so much great life out there, you know? And if some, they be in that dark place like I was, and I know that person is going through, it just saddens me. Um, and uh, I believe there is a different option. I just don't know what it is. And if, but if I can just help and contribute to the positive and not the negative, that's the goal. What are the warning signs for a veteran who may, you know, I, I, I have heard and I, I have zero personal experience in this, obviously, but um, I've heard that there are certain thought patterns or whatever that can lead you down this road. Uh, are there any that you can pick out that, you know, maybe there's a veteran out there who's starting to think in this way and, and it, it, you know, maybe it's time to see someone? Hmm. That's a that's a challenging question to answer because everybody's different. But yeah. You know, I think if you simplify it as much, you know, if that he, he or she used to be really social or, you know, like love to go out and, and then all of a sudden he just, he or she just bails out of everything or, you know, this like, well, I can't make it or, you know, that it's a repeat process because that's I, like, again, I can only speak for myself. That's what I did. You're like, hey, Sam, can you, you know, we're having dinner tonight. You want to come over? Like, no, I'm busy. Like, it's because I didn't want to deal, <laughs> basically. Um, so I wish I would, I wish I could answer that question better, Charlie, but you know, I can only speak for myself. I started not going to things. I hated being out in public. Um, I just felt like I wasn't safe either, you know, just reaching out and getting help, I guess is the most important thing. And when you say you didn't feel safe in public, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Always on edge, high alert, you know, mm. from being in a place like Afghanistan where you didn't, everything was kind of, you didn't know what was going to happen. Um, you go outside the wire or the, when they say outside the wire, you go outside, you know, sure. yeah, outside and everything, you, you know, you notice like a random, like, what is that box doing on the side of the road? Like you were walking down Milwaukee or Camelsport, maybe not so much Camelsport, but you're walking down a place and there's just like a, a random box just sitting on the road. A normal person would just walk right by it, you know? Like a person like myself or a veteran that is on high alert and is trained to be like, okay, there's danger in that box. You're always hypervigilant and it's exhausting to really, to be honest. Um, and that's why people just myself, I shouldn't say people, but that's why myself, I didn't like public places because I didn't, I didn't feel safe. Yeah. And that, that would be, um, PTSD. Am I correct in saying that? It is, it'd be a form of it. 
Mm-hmm. It'd be, a, I mean, it'll be contributing factor to it. Yes. Yeah. So, and, and I guess in your um, sort of transition back into civilian life and those programs you went through, was there something to sort of teach your brain to, I mean, you've spent years wiring your brain to do that, which was a life-saving trait uh, overseas, but here, obviously it, it's the opposite. Is there a effective way to, you know, rewire yourself to avoid doing that? Yeah, I did. I did multiple um, therapies. Like w- one, one that really helped me out was um, exposure therapy. So um, that was really a big one. Um, basically, you're te- reteaching your brain how to think. Um, you're reteaching your brain. You're rewiring your brain. Like it was wired for the Marine Corps, and now you have to rewire it for the civilian life. Um, and I was on medication for a little while too for that. Um, I'm no longer. I'm think. Thank the Lord, I'm not on that anymore. Um, but it, it for people that need it should be on it. You know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, um, but I just felt like it wasn't. It was my time to get off of it now, um, and I did it the proper way, slowly weaned off and all that fun stuff. Um, but just retraining your brain and just being exposed to good, great people too. You know, negativity is can be such a detriment to somebody in depression. You know. Um, like I myself just try to surround myself with as many positive people as I can, because I still look, I'm not healed. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to ever be healed. You know, and, and another thing too, is like, as soon as I accepted that fact that I'm never like, cause I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking like, when is this going to go away? Like forever. As soon as I accepted the fact that it's not going to go away, man, did my life get better. Be like, okay, then I'm acknowledging it. I'm acknowledging that be like, okay, I'm having a shitty day. Right. I mean, whatever. <laughs> sorry, Grandma Barron's. She, <laughs> she said it herself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, you know, you're just having a really, really bad day. Mm-hmm. You know, and instead of saying, I don't understand why I'm having a bad day, just be like, okay, today sucks. Let me, re- let me regroup tomorrow. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, in taking time for yourself. Like that, the benefit of owning my own business too is like, if I had a bad day, well, not anymore. I mean, cause I'm busy, but like, I can just, I can just go for a walk for a couple hours or I can just lay down cause my brain is just so tired. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's all great info. I think for probably for people struggling, going through something similar to what you were going through and continue to go through. And is there, you know, for civilians, for people who have never experienced this, but want to be helpful, are there certain things you would recommend not asking uh, or not going there? And I'm sure I've made mistakes, maybe even in this conversation in this realm, you know, maybe I've said something that was inappropriate, but I think a lot of people out there want to try and they just don't know what to say and they don't want to say the wrong thing. Do you have any advice? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, there's different levels of where people are, people are at and they're healing too, um, that you got to be cognitive of, you know, like me, I would, there's no way I could have this conversation four years ago. Mm. Absolutely not. I was, I wouldn't be ready for it. Um, so just, just be open to the fact that people are different in their healing process would be big. Mm. Um, and so I guess the biggest advice I would give to people is just be open and just, just listen. You know, because sometimes, sometimes when I was going through that hard stuff, it's like I didn't need answers. I just mm. need somebody just to hear me out. You know, this is like, and it might because I was ashamed sometimes to even bring it up. You know, because it seems so asinine, like my thoughts. You know, like the whole. But just there's no judgment. You know, I would say there's no judgment in brainstorming. There's no judgment in in 
in listening. You know, that's a big thing too for what I would say. Right. No, I, I think that that helps a lot. Just, you know, it's in, in comedy, there's uh improv, I guess. And the, the number one thing there is, is to listen and to sort of be there for your person in the scene. I don't know why I'm choosing this analogy. It's just the first thing that came that, to mind, but it sort of reminds me of that, of like, you're not there to, I guess, be the star or be the solution, I guess, in this case, you're there to support um, yeah. who, who's right in front of you. So, uh, no, that makes a lot of sense. What advice do you have for someone who's, you know, maybe coming out of the military as you were, and they're looking to to find their place in business or in a career or something to do? Do you have any advice for them? You know, just, it took a while for me to understand that this is what I wanted to do, you know, too. Like I want, I try to be a teacher. I, uh, well, I fixed sewage pumps. <laughs> um, you know, I uh, fixed, I was a mechanic for a while. Um, you know, I guess the best, the best thing though, is just, just be able to explore as many things as you can. Um, you know, I'm not sure if Charlie, if you ever wanted, always wanted to be a comedian or this is what you wanted to do, but I'm sure like with, with your platform, you weren't sure this was going to happen. Oh no. So so, like, just be open to the idea. And if that, if your idea, if your dream doesn't work for some reason, just be open to the, there's something great that's going to happen. If you just keep on working your ass off, like, like I, it doesn't, coffee might be simple, but there's a lot of work that comes into it and to get to a place where I'm, I'm at now. Um, and there's, I got a lot more growth to do though. <laughs> I can tell you that. Um, I, I don't, I'm not, there's a lot that I need to learn. Just keep going, you know, like, cause that was the thing too, when I got out of the military is like, I wanted to be a teacher. No, I went to Oshkosh for a year. Um, I forgot to say that I just, I'm all over the board when it yeah. comes to, I went to Oshkosh for a kinesiology degree for mm. a year and I failed miserably the first year because I was around 18 year olds and I was 22. I felt old at, t- old at the time. Right. Um, and I failed at that miserably and I was so down on dumps on myself because I failed that, you know, and then I didn't allow myself to be okay with failing that, but just knowing that that was just the next chapter in my life. Um, you know, cause it's going to suck, man. When you're just when you're when you're down in that pit, fixing a grinder sewage pump, and you think that this is the best life's gonna get, I don't know. It can get a lot better. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, that's, that was. But that 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 job also taught me a lot too. But it was just, I just knew that I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. No, I think that's great advice. So it's uh, you know expect to fail a lot, and just because you're failing doesn't mean you're not learning. You know, it's all part of the journey. I guess you needed that sewage pump to get to where yeah. you are today. <laughs> yeah, you know, people say that you know you can throw any cliche that you want. You know, fail forward. You know, like you can throw that in there too. I mean, I don't really necessarily like those things, but they're true. They're mm. cliche for a reason. I mean, they work. Um, but I definitely failed forward. You know, in in this coffee business my first my first couple batches out of this new roaster was awful it was so bad like i still have it in the back just to re- remind myself of how bad that was yeah it's just it's still it's in a bucket it's in a five gallon bucket from fleet farm back there <laughs> i'm sure fleet farms thrilled that's what their buckets being used at put a top on it and use it for ice fishing <laughs> I got to learn how to do that. I've, yeah. I've gone ice fishing three times in my life. So I got oh. to do it this year. We'll have to go do it. We'll have to make it happen. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, I'm going to let you go. I know you got a bunch of coffee to uh, do, but did you, is there anything I didn't ask that you wish I did? Um, maybe not that you haven't asked, but I know I've said this before. Um, 
you know, starting conversations is key, but also providing, providing somebody the ability to laugh is key too, Charlie. So that's why I was so honored to be on your show. You know, I know I'm a big fan of miles too, you know, you betcha, you know, and to do dad, all those guys, I, I was turned on to you a couple of years ago, laughter, you know, it's just really got me through a lot of hard times. And so I'm just really appreciative of what you do every day to, if you think it is all insignificant, please don't. Um, it is really important. And um, so for somebody struggling through depression, you know, just that little quirky, whatever it is, you know, what, what you do is important. So thank you, Charlie. Well, I appreciate you for saying that. that. That means a lot. And words like that definitely keep me going. So, And I, I also want to thank you for your service to this country and, and your service right now is just huge. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. It's a much needed service. And finally, where can people find you? Where can they buy your coffee? I'll say right now, give it a couple weeks, okay? <laughs> Order Thank in you. two weeks, all right? <laughs> he needs Thank a break. You. Thank you, Charlie. I appreciate that. Uh, OperationCoffee.com, okay? Um, there, and you can read about my story um, as well. If you, if, And then also there's different options. Um, I got new merchandise, um, the cup that you have, Charlie, and then there's hoodies and sweatshirts and all that fun stuff. So there you go. Uh, those are available. <laughs> um, those are available. Operationcoffee.com. If you want to follow me on Facebook, uh, it's just Operation Coffee Roasters. And Instagram is also Operation Coffee Roasters as well. That'd be wonderful. And most importantly, I mean, followers are great and it, likes are great. But most importantly, you know, as much as we can now with COVID, human interaction is most, most important. Um, and having those conversations, that's what I want to stress and emphasize as much as possible. I love it. I love it. We'll just end with this. If, if people are at that verge of needing a, someone to call, uh, what's the number to do that? Yeah, um, it's the Veterans Crisis Hotline. There's a couple to call. So the National Prevention uh, Suicide Prevention Hotline, okay, that's for everybody alike, civilian or, or veteran, is 1-800-273-8255, okay? And then uh, the veteran one, which I use personally, is um, 1-800-232-8255, and you have to press one after that. Um, and then also just go, go online. You can text, you can just Google veteran crisis hotline and that comes up. I'm looking at it right now, really simple to navigate through. But if you know, if you are that person that needs help, get help. But if you know somebody more, more importantly, it needs help, reach out to somebody and look, take, take a look at this. These are, these are a good, good way to start for sure. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate you, Charlie. Thanks a lot. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Good luck with everything. Yeah, thank you. And that's it for this week's episode of the Cast. Don't forget to buy your Operation Coffee at shop.operationcoffee.com and also follow the Cast. That's at Cast on all your social media platforms. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to keep her moving. And while you're keeping her moving, watch out for deer. And tell your folks I says hi. Okay, bye-bye. So roll out the barrel and get the band brewing. Life's got you down. Just keep her moving. It's on Wisconsin, the Badgers say it's the old Wisconsin Jubilee. You know, sometimes when you're ice fishing, you put your foot in the walleye hole and go ass over tea kettle and you think you're done. No, you gotta keep her moving.